Thanks for checking out the Basecamp podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Tonight is week one. It's the start of a brand new series. And tonight, the series that we're launching is called Make a Statement. Make a Statement. Have you guys, uh, my wife Luna's really into fashion and she talks about statement pieces. And, uh, and so sometimes like you'll be wearing like a black top and some black jeans, and then like all of a sudden you've got these like Gucci shoes on. It's like, oh snap, like that is a statement piece. Or maybe, maybe you've got like some, you know, you're just rocking some vans, like classic go-to, easy walk-in. And then you've got some blue jeans on, normal, great, you know, a classic pair. And then you've got on just a white shirt, and that's great too, that's nice. But then you've got a nice gold piece on, and it's like, oh, statement piece. Tonight we're launching the first of a few talks on making a statement. And we're not just talking about fashion, even though it's fun to talk about fashion. Tonight, as we're talking about making a statement, we're talking about our words. If you want to title tonight's talk, you can title it, I've Got a Plan. The series is Make a Statement, but tonight the title of the message is I've Got a Plan. For those of you who are doing our, our Bible reading in a year, let me, let me see some hands. Shout out if you're reading along with us. Good, yes. Hey, a word of encouragement, man, if, you, if you've fallen behind or if you thought, no, nah, I'm not going to do it, it is not too late to jump in with this thing. Don't even worry about, like, getting caught up. Just jump in with where we're at tonight. Read tonight's passage before you go to bed. When you get up tomorrow, read tomorrow's passage. Um, Sean can hook you up with some more of those, like, cards that show you, like, where you need to be reading. But it is so good. So, but for those of you who have been following along with us, you recently read in Genesis, going back to kind of the, our first night of it, in Genesis 1, it's the creation story, and it begins... In the beginning, many of you know it, in the beginning it talks about how God created the heavens and the earth and he spoke them. He said baller things like, let there be light, and then boom, there was light. And then he was like, and let there be water, and it was like, just water everywhere. And then he was like, and let the day be separated from the night with a great light and a lesser light. And it was like, boom, the moon was there, and there were stars, and he just spoke them, and they were there. Like he didn't get out his tool chest and be like, all right. This is going to be a tough job. Good thing I've got Holy Spirit and Jesus with me. The three of us are going to knock this out in a few millennia. It wasn't like that. He just spoke it, and it happened. And what I want you guys to understand tonight as we talk about making a statement is there are power in words. Proverbs talks about how you have the power of life and death in your tongue. What you speak has the power of life. You can build people up, or you can tear people down. And we know that kind of intrinsically at a, at a heart level. We understand that if you've got a brother or a sister, younger or older, you can say something to them. And man, if you know them pretty well, you know just the right buttons to press. It can take half a sentence and you can totally, totally tick them off. Or, or if you want something from mom and dad, man, just a few well-placed words and you are sliding into their good graces. You know what I mean? You know intrinsically that, like, your words have power, but what I want to tell you tonight, young people, those power, like, that power goes even further than you realize. Man, uh, where's Brennan at? Brennan, okay, shout out to Brennan, great haircut. Um, Brennan, were you in the class with Miss Jenny when they brought in the rice jars? Yes, okay, so can you just real quick shout out the rice jar thing? Yeah, well, that'd be better. Yeah, okay, so come on up here. Give it a hand for Brennan as he comes up to talk to you about rice. So there's this rice, and no. Um, <laughs> so this uh, lady named uh, Mary Catherine, so their whole family, they d yes, I know, she's incredible. Um, <laughs> uh, their family decided to test 
like how powerful your words actually are. So what they did is they took cooked rice and put it into two different jars. And one of them said, on the front, it said, thank you. And on the other one, it said, I hate you. Yeah, so one said thank you, one said I hate you, and they've been keeping it, and it's been four years. And like after the first few months, the one that said I hate you started like molding and getting all brown and disgusting, and the one that said thank you is still totally perfect white rice. And like they would, whenever they would remember, like they'd walk past it and they would like speak to the jar and they're just like, you're stupid, I hate you. And then they look at the other one, they're just like, I love you and you're awesome. And then like over time, the one that they spoke death over actually started to like mildew and get all disgusting. And then the one that they spoke life into actually stayed white. Thanks, friend. How wild is that? Like it feels strange to like, I'm talking to a jar of rice. But I want you guys to understand, like, this has been something that, like, scientists have been playing around with for a while. I don't know if you remember, but, like, back in, like, the, uh, the 80s and 90s, maybe as far back as the 70s, there was all this talk about, like, if you take houseplants and you put them in front of, like, certain types of music, like, they performed better or did stuff. Like, it's, it, I don't know so much about the music, but, but the words that we speak have power. And you can see it even in jars of rice. And so tonight I want to talk a little bit about the words that we're going to say. In this series, we're going to talk a little bit about the words that we're going to say but we're going to take it a step further. We're not just going to talk about being nice to your neighbor, even though that's good, or saying nice things to the person who's got a locker next to you or a parking space next to you, even though that's great. Tonight, we're going to talk about taking our words and partnering them with God's word to create something even more powerful. Because if God's word has the power to create worlds and our words have the power of life and death, if we can speak God's words over our situation, imagine what it can unlock. Imagine the potential it has. Imagine how you can begin to change your situation, your family life, your school stuff, the homework that you're coming home with. Man, imagine what you could do with a little bit of faith, just a mustard seed worth of faith. Imagine how you could begin to partner with God's word to speak into those things and speak his will over them. So that's kind of the basis for our message. We're going to be looking at some, some of these, what I like to call them, Pinterest scripture verses, the kind of things you see on Pinterest where it's like, oh, like someone made this into a wood sign and they've got it in their kitchen, or like, oh, this one's like a t-shirt or a bumper sticker, like the Pinterest scripture verses that you hear so often. We're going to take a look at some of those, and we're going to unpack and unfold just a little bit of the power that's in those statements and how we can use those in our life. So if you still got your Bibles, flip open to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Many of you guys have heard this verse before, but uh, we're going to read it together. Oh, excellent. We've got it up on the screen. Why don't you guys stand up with me? We're going to do this. Um, this is a, Standing up doesn't do anything amazing, uh, but it's a great way of showing honor and respect. And so as we're talking about the power that these words have, we want to give them our attention and our respect. And so in the same way that if a bride walked into a room... You, the, you know, the audience stands, or if a, in a military setting, if a commanding officer walks into the room, people stand. We're going to show some honor and respect to the power that the Word of God has. So uh, read it with me. I'm going to say it, and then you try and read at the same pace I can. Are you ready? Okay. For I know the plans I have for You guys thought I was going to go slow, didn't I? All right. Okay. Try to keep up. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Excellent. You guys can be seated. 
When I was a young man growing up, similar to your age, there was a lot of things I wanted. Uh, when Christmas would come around or maybe my birthday would come around, I had a long list. There was no shortage of things that I desired, but um, at the top of that list was tacos. You guys know this. This doesn't come as a surprise. You know me. You know my relationship with tacos. It's deep and it is loving and I will eat them. But even higher than tacos, there was a season when I was in high school where the thing I wanted even more than that, guys, I wanted to be a part of a heist. Yeah. Like, seriously. No, no, no. Picture this. Like, I wanted to be a part of a heist. That would be the best. Yeah. A taco heist, he said. No, no, no. A heist. Like, I don't know. I was watching the movies like The Ocean's Eleven and The Italian Job, you know, where these guys are like driving cars and they're breaking into safes and they're like entire, I don't want to, you know, spoiler alert, but the entire like pavement drops out and the truck falls down and then they're like, let's go. And, and so I always wanted to be a part of it. And I wasn't quite sure exactly which part I wanted to be a part, but man, I wanted to be a part of it. There was a, there was a, a little bit of me that wanted to be the getaway driver who's like in the car, and he's just like, the engine's revving, and he's watching his watch, and of course, the watches are all synchronized, everyone is on the same page, and he's watching his watch, and he's like, we've got to get out of here, we've only got minutes, I can hear the sirens, like, where are they at, we've got to get going, and he's in the getaway car, and I wanted to drive fast, and I wanted to like, squeal the tires, and do like, donuts, and like, drift, and I just like, like I wanted, I wanted to be that. When I turned 16, I got to borrow my dad's pickup truck, and it was old and it was slow. And so, like, it just made me want to be the getaway driver all the more. So I wanted to be the getaway driver. I wanted to drive fast. I wanted to peel out and, you know, the, you got to go and we got to lose him and all of this. But I also wanted to be, like, the tech guy. Like, I love computers and gadgets and gizmos. And so I wanted to be the guy who's, like, hacking into the thing. And, and they're like, we got we to gotta disable the alarm system. And you're like, I just need three more minutes. They're routing me through. They're routing. And I got I to gotta get it. And I just wanted to be, like, banging on the keyboard. And I wanted to be that guy. And I, I also wanted to be the demolitions guy. Oh, man. To blow up stuff, like, and get paid for it? That would be awesome. Anytime when I was in high school, I blew stuff up, I got in trouble. And so the idea that there was a person who got paid a lot of money to blow stuff up, I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be a part of heist. I wanted to be the getaway driver. I wanted to be the tech guy who, like, cracks into the and disables the stuff, and it all shuts down, and he's like, I got it, I'm in. And then I wanted to be the guy who, T-minus, and, and everything blows up. I wanted to be that guy. But I think more than all of that, I wanted to be the guy with the plan. I wanted to be the guy who had all of it worked out. You know, in the movies, the guy that, like, you don't really understand his role. You're like, well, that guy blows stuff up, and that guy drives fast, and, like, this guy has computers. What, what is this really good-looking guy doing? Like, is he just there? I wanted to be the really good-looking guy. But he's the planner. He's the guy who, like, masterminds the whole thing. Like, he's the genius that pulls it all together. He's like, I need you, and I need you, and I need you for comic relief. And, like, you'll be a part of it, too. And then, like, he puts them all together, and he puts them all in the right spot, and he's got the plan. I think, in a similar way, God's got some really good plans. I think one of his best plans was actually a heist. You may not have ever thought about it this way. But imagine this. God creates the world, speaks it into existence. Words are powerful. He creates the world. He creates man. He creates woman. It's awesome. Things are going great. Then they eat some fruit they're not supposed to eat. Long story. Read it in our Bible reading plan. And everything falls to pieces. 
And from then, he's like, okay, it's time for my plan. Death, hell, and the grave had stolen away God's family, the creation that he built, his sons and daughters. And in Romans, it says all of creation is groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. All of creation was upset. They were mad crazy that the devil had tricked them and that things had fallen away. But God had an incredible plan. He starts plotting and scheming his heist. He says, Holy Spirit, you're going to be the getaway guy. Jesus, you're going to be the, you're going to be the, the, the guy that does this stuff. And he's the planner, and God's the planner. He sends Jesus down to earth, and he steals back the keys to sin, the keys to shame, the keys to guilt, the keys to the grave. And it is like the most ultimate heist move in the history of ever, that Jesus would come down, live, die, raise up again, be like, boom, I broke out with all the stuff that I'm stealing, and to come back, and to, to steal all of us back. I think it's beautiful. I think it's an incredible heist plan. But as we look at this Jeremiah verse, I think that God has more than just one plan. I think he had that plan, but I think he's also got a plan for me. And he's got a plan for you. And so let's take a look at this. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans for good, not for disaster, plans to give you a future and a hope. Now, a lot of times when we see these Pinterest verses, when we see these bumper sticker verses, a lot of times we think, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're pulling that out of context. To which I say, you are right. That is very astute of you to recognize that. The Bible was written to different people across different generations in different times. And to take a scripture completely out of its context is usually kind of weird. But I also want to show you how tonight it's actually really good. Are you guys ready for this? We're going to dive in a little bit. Jeremiah chapter 29. The context is this. God's people who love God get kind of estranged from God in some bad ways. Uh, they start doing their own thing, and they start worshiping idols. Now, when we think of idols, we think of, like, wooden statues, and it's true. They had those, and those were dumb, and they thought that they were gods, and they aren't. But sometimes in our own lives, modern day, like, we don't set up a wooden statue and bow to it. That's not really our, our role. In, like, 21st century America, like, our, our idols look totally different. So before you start throwing shade on the Israelites, like, come on, guys, you couldn't figure it out, like, Sometimes we're guilty of doing the same thing. Like the clothes we wear, we'll make it an idol. The movies we watch, we'll make it an idol. The pop stars we love, we'll make them an idol. The money we're striving for, we'll make it an idol. The car that we really want, we'll make it an idol. So, like, I just want to frame that for a second before we think that we're better than them. Like, we got our own things. So the Israelites are doing this. They've strayed far away from the God's best for their life. They're worshiping these idols. And although God doesn't send bad things in our life, there are natural consequences for when we, when we make decisions. You make good decisions, you know, you do all your homework, you get good grades. Uh, you make bad decisions. You refuse to do what your parents tell you to do, you get grounded. You know, there's just natural consequences. It's not like God smote you and, and made you grounded. It's just like, no, you, like, disrespected your parents or you didn't listen to them or whatever. You got grounded. That's natural consequences. In some of the same ways, when we operate outside of God's best for our life, there are some natural consequences. So as the Israelites removed themselves from God's best, and they said, you know what, God, I know you wanted us to do all this, but we're thinking, nah, B, we're going to do this over here. As they started doing that, some natural consequences arose. They got invaded by the Babylonians. They got captured, and a bunch of them went into exile. So now they're captives and kind of like slaves living in Babylonia instead of like their country that they liked. So this is the context. They're there, and Jeremiah 
who was like a teenager, the Lord comes to him and is like, Jeremiah. And he's like, what? Jeremiah, what? He's like, listen to me. Okay. He says, I want to give you a message for the people, people, people. And Jeremiah's like, no, 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 God, like, I'm young. Like, I'm just, I'm still in school. Like, I'm, I don't have my GED yet. Like, I can't do this. And the Lord's like, silence. You will do it. And he's like, okay. That's how much chapter 1 and 2, you guys can go back and read that. In chapter 29, it begins, and in mine, it says, uh, I've got these little subheadings in my Bible. It's cool. It says, a letter to the exiles. And then it says, Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem, where he was living, to the elders, priests, prophets, and all the people who had been exiled to Babylonian by King Nebuchadnezzar. Jeremiah writes them this letter. He says, hey, this is what God is saying to you. And in it, as we get about 10 verses in, it says this. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. Now, we could dive into the, well, if God's going to do this, why doesn't he just do it? And to which I say, I don't know. But what I want to focus on is the fact that God has a plan. Like he's, he's seeing. He's not existing in time like we are where we're wondering and curious about what the future holds. God exists outside of time. And so he's looking down from his throne and he's saying, all right, because uh, of the choices you made, you're going to be there for about 70 years. We'll call it time out. And after 70 years, you're going to come out of time out and I'm going to restore everything that you had. And so all the Israelites that are in captivity in Babylon are like, oh, Okay. But Jeremiah says this to him. He says, hey, but don't lose hope. It's going to be 70 years, 70 long years living in captivity in another land, serving someone else, not having fun. But after that, he says, I've got a plan for you. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to restore all your fortunes. I'm going to give you back your land. You're going to rebuild the walls. You're going to rebuild the temple. It's going to be great. In our lives, I think there are some, some things that maybe we'll face some issues that we'll run into, maybe some natural consequences that we'll find ourselves in. But I want to remind you, young person, God still has a plan. God's not thrown off. He's not like, oh, snap, they did that? I did not see that one coming. He's not, he's not thrown off by our choices. Sometimes our choices have consequences, but he's there saying, that's okay. I've got a plan. He's there saying, all right, I'm going to get my tech guy. He's going to hack into hell, and he's going to break you out. I got my demolitions expert. He's going to break open those gates you're going to be free. And he says, I've got a plan. But what's really great is the power of God's word partnered with the power of our words. So it's one thing that God has a plan. It's another thing that we release his plan on earth, that we release his plan in our life, that we release his plan in our schools, that we release it in our communities, in our families, in our homes, in our neighbors, in our lives, and in our finances, that we release God's plan over those things. You see, Scripture's really cool. It's, it's almost like dual credit. What, what is it in CV or in DC? Do you guys have kind of a dual credit system for high schoolers? Yeah, what do you call it? Oh, dual credit. Okay. That was a nap. That's 
really good. Okay. Where I went to high school in Texas, we had dual credit. We also had AP, and I took some AP classes, and I didn't get high enough on the test, so it didn't count, so it was, felt like a waste. But dual credit, man, dual credit was a guarantee. You take that, no matter what you score on the, on, the, on the test, as long as you pass, you get two credits. That's why they call it dual credit. There's two of them. You get credits for high school and credits for college, and it was really cool. So I had a close friend, um, and he was a grade ahead of me, and he went to his counselor and was picking out his classes, and he's like, hey, counselor, next year I want to take welding. And the counselor was like, we don't offer welding. He was like, yeah. But I heard that there's a college just down the street that offers welding as a class. And she was like, okay. And so they signed him up. And it became a dual credit thing where, like, he got to go learn how to weld during high school, like, class hours. And then he'd come back to high school, finish up, like, math or whatever class he had next. And he got two credits. He got a credit for high school and a credit for college as an elective. And it was super cool. The school paid for, like, all the college stuff. And so it didn't cost him anything. And it was awesome. Two for one. It was great. In the same way, I think scripture is similar to that. Where there are times where it's like, okay, this particular scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, it was written to those in exile in Babylonian. It was given by the Lord to Jeremiah to deliver to them, and he wrote it down in a letter. But it was also preserved for 2,500 years to get to us today so that we could be reassured and encouraged by the exact same word. It's dual credit. God gave it to them, but he's also given it to us. And so even though, yeah, it's weird to just nitpick your verses out of the Bible and to be like, well, I like what this says, but I don't like what this says, so I'm just going to take this. That's normally kind of frowned upon. But in this case, when you find something that's in Scripture, and then what we're about to look at is that it's so backed up by Scripture, man, that's something that you can run with and apply to your life, and you can speak it over yourself. Flip your Bibles over to Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs. It's the wisdom book, kind of in the middle, right after Psalms. Proverbs chapter 16 Verse 9. It's on the screen. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along. Proverbs 16, 9, it says, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. When I was in um, my senior year of high school, I had wanted to do business for a long time. I grew up feeling kind of entrepreneurial. Like, I enjoyed the, the numbers and spreadsheets, and I was like, yeah, this all makes sense. Like, money is intriguing. I like the whole idea of commerce. I want to be a businessman. And so that's what I thought. I'm going to graduate high school. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to be a businessman. I'm going to have a briefcase and I'm going to walk and I'm going to set it down on my desk and I'm going to have a desk and I'm going to be powerful because I'm going to be a businessman. And that's what I thought. I started making plans. I was like, okay, I'm going to apply to this school and I'm going to go for business so that I can become a businessman and I'm going to do business and make business dollars. And that was how I thought. But the tail end of my senior year, I started thinking, you know what? I'm a little nervous to go to business school and become a businessman. I'm nervous that I won't be able to, to do all the things and make the right choices that I know my parents taught me to make. Like, I was nervous. Like, man, if I go off to that school and I don't have my youth group around me, if I don't have my crew with me, if I don't have my family around me to encourage me to make right choices, I don't, I don't know if I'll do well. Like, I was nervous that I'd go off to school and I'd party or drink or I'd find myself in broken relationships, or I'd make some, some things that I'd regret later. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to take a year off. I'm going to do sort of like a gap year program. I'll go to this Bible college, and I'll learn about Bible, and I'll become a Bible man instead of a businessman. Bible man. But I still had this plan. I was still making my own plans. I still thought, okay, I'll do this for just a year, 
and then I'll kind of know why I believe what I believe. Because to just know what you believe is okay, but man, why do you believe it? Like, do you believe it because that's what your mom said? Because that only works so long in life. I mean, you can't be 60 years old and be like, oh, but my mama said, my mama, mama said, mama said the Bible was true because they got all them teeth. That only works for so long. And so as a, as a young adult, I thought, i got to figure out why I believe what I believe. And some of you may be in a similar place. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do this year. Making a plan. Go to Bible. I'll become a Bible man. And then I'll go to business and become a businessman. But after the first year, I thought, I don't know. Maybe that business thing can wait for a little while. But I still had a plan. I thought, okay, I'll do two years in this school over here. And then I'll go to, I'll go to business school. And I'll become the businessman. But then the second year finished, and man, I was growing. Like God was doing something real in my heart and my life. He was doing something real in my heart and my life, and I thought, I should stay here one more year. So I stayed one more year, did a third year there, and then I thought, okay, now I'm going to go to business school. I'm going to become a businessman. I'm going to get my briefcase when I graduate. And I didn't. I got a call out of the blue from someone who lived in Colorado. And they were like, Andrew, I heard that you went to Bible school and not business school. And instead of a briefcase, they gave you a cross. And I was like, that's true. I've got the cross. And he said, why don't you move up to Colorado and put that cross to good use? And I said, I don't really understand what that means. And he said, come and work with youth. And I said, yes, okay, I will do it. But it was never a part of my plan. Six years later, I'm still here. I'm still working with you guys. I'm still figuring this thing out, saying, like, yeah, let's love Jesus more. And I haven't gotten really to do the business thing. And it just echoes what, what, the, what Solomon writes in Proverbs, um, Proverbs 16, 9. He says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. So what I was finding out in my life is that God had a plan and a purpose for me. He had a future and hope. He had a plan that was good, not for disaster. I had my own plans, but God had some different plans. In Proverbs 19, just three chapters over, it says, You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. And that's been my life story. I was a planner. And so, like, years out, like, I had my plan, and I thought it was a pretty good plan. But then the Lord came in, and he was like, Hey, Andrew, I've got an even better plan. I said, Okay. But God didn't show me steps one through a hundred with it. He just seems to show me the next step. And so each day I wake up and I'm like, all right, let's take that next step. Like, let's do it. Let's go there. And I'm reading my Bible reading plan that, that Zach and Sean put together for me. And I'm saying, okay, God, like, I know you've got a plan for me. Like, I want to see your plan in my life. Like, let's do this thing. Let's go. Here's a few other verses I want to throw at you real quick. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. You can write this down and read it later. Genesis 50, verse 20. Joseph says to his brothers who tried to kill him, says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. God used something really bad, and he says, no, 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 I've got a plan. This isn't going to end poorly. I'm going to use this, and it's going to be awesome. Psalms 138, verse 8. Psalms 138, verse 8 says, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. For, you, for your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. It says, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. The Lord has plans for our lives. In Acts 17, verse 26, it says, From one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand. It sounds like a plan to me when you decide something beforehand. God had made a plan when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. 
though he is not far from any one of us. We can see that taking this verse and claiming it as our own sometimes feels cliche. You know, you see it on Pinterest. I know the plans I have for you. And it's like, yeah, yeah. It can feel a little trite. It can feel a little Pinteresty. It feels like something that your grandma's got on some oven mitts. And you're like, really, grandma? Maybe your grandma's not like mine. It can feel like, like that sometimes. But man, I want to remind you guys, there is power in the word of God. And when you take the word of God and when you stand on it as a foundation and you declare it over your life, there's power in your words. And when you partner that with the power of God's words, man, it's unstoppable. I want to encourage you guys this week, man, take this verse. It's just a few words. It's a few sentences. Take it, memorize it, and start to declare it over your life. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good, not for harm. To give you a future and a hope. Declare that over your life. Like every morning you wake up and you say, okay, God, I have no idea what my life looks like. It feels like a mess. I don't know if I'm going to get into the school. I don't know uh, if my friends are going to follow me to this thing. I don't know if this is going to happen, but I know that you've got plans for me. You've got plans that are good, not for disaster. Plans to give me a hope and a future. Declare that over yourself because your words partnered with God's words, unstoppable. Awesome. Let me pray for you guys. Father, I pray that we would grab hold of this. Lord, that this revelation would live in us and it would transform us. Lord, that we would be conscious of the words we speak to each other. That we would understand the power that we have in our words. That as we speak them, we're speaking life or death. And not just to people, but to our situations and to our circumstances. And so, Father, I pray that we wouldn't just speak empty words, but, Lord, that we would fill our mouth with your words, knowing that your words carry power. Father, help us this week to, to sear your words onto our heart, that we would remember them, that we would carry them daily with us as we walk through our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Our base camp community aims to take young people onward and upward in their walk with Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at basecampsm.com or follow us on any social media platform at basecamp underscore sm. Have a great rest of your day.